In today's episode, resellers are really unhappy with their platform partners. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to another episode of the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. If you are new here or you just don't remember my name, I'm Ryan and I will be your host. I'm a full-time reseller, part-time, very part-time YouTuber and podcaster once a week. (laughs) Uh, It's about all I'm doing this right now. Uh, Working out of my home here in the greater Cincinnati area and this channel is all about the flip life. We have got uh, quite a bit of news in the reselling world this week, uh, most of which seems to have made resellers heckin' mad. (laughs) Uh, Lots of changes, lots of updates, lots of stuff kind of not working, Um, lots of policy updates at the various platforms as well. So we're going to get into all that. We'll also have actually a fairly decent uh, what sold segment this week? Nothing major on there, but I at least did sell a few things that were over 20 bucks this week. So I've got a few things to share with you there. So let's get it kicked off with. News updates. Some reselling news. So uh, we'll just dive right in to the drama that's going on. Uh, we'll start this week over at Etsy. Uh, most of these articles this week are actually from uh, e-commerce bytes. So I, again, as always, I will link to these in the show notes and the description below. But again, I would strongly recommend I'm only doing this once a week. They're updating their website multiple times a day. So if you really want to stay on top of the news, they are definitely worth following. I will say sometimes their take on things and we'll get into this a little bit um, more down the road here is a little bit on the negative side, uh, but they do bring to light a lot of the ongoing issues that their users, their readers, their message board participants bring up. And these are things that I'm I'm hopeful at least that the platforms are looking at. Uh, Obviously we know that eBay was looking at them because this is again, the couple that uh, eBay was harassing with sending boxes of crickets and stuff too. So (laughs) Uh, this first thing over on Etsy, Um, sellers say Etsy is harming them by hiding descriptions, atrocious, stupid, confusing. That's what sellers are saying after they encountered a change in how Etsy displays their listings. Quote, I just went to an item and couldn't find the description and I sell here. How stupid can this get? One seller wrote on the Etsy discussion boards in a thread titled Etsy test of hiding descriptions already confusing customers. Uh, one Etsy seller wrote, to e-commerce bites and explained the change and how they were feeling that it was harmful to sellers, but they didn't want their name published for fear of retribution from Etsy. So this is kind of an ongoing problem where the users of these sites obviously feel compelled to maintain some level of anonymity because they're afraid that the sites are going to come back on them, which is not, not a good situation. Uh, They went on to say, like many of the sellers posting about the issue on and off Etsy, they said the link Etsy placed in sellers listings, quote, unquote, read full description is not prominent enough for shoppers to see. Uh, There's also a thread over on Reddit about the same thing says at first they move the items description from below the item to the sidebar under a drop down, which is already worrying because it felt like Etsy was trying to hide the description completely. But they've gone a step further and now hide it behind a button 
which makes it a pop-up instead of an on-site feature. Sellers, please be aware that this is happening, and buyers, please look for that button. The English text for it is read full description. Now, I have to say, I don't I don't sell on Etsy, and I don't shop on Etsy all that much, but this morning, before I sat down to do this, I went over to Etsy, and I looked at probably 15 listings, just randomly looking at stuff, and I did not see what is being described here on any of the listings I looked at. So if you have, please leave us a comment. Put a link in, if you can, to the listing that has this read full description button because all I could find was what I've seen there previously where there's a partial description and then it says find out more information or something like that and you click it and it opens up the rest of the details. So I don't know how prevalent this is, Etsy, for their part, says it is actually a test program, so it's probably not super common. Uh, This article says Etsy used to be meticulous in informing sellers of changes it made to the site, even setting up a special page to document tests it was running. But now it links to a 2017 post about its approach to testing. This post explains why Etsy keeps sellers in the dark about its test We know it can be frustrating to be surprised by a change in your shop when you're part of a test, but announcing experiments before they happen can bias the results, which is, of course, absolutely true. If you knew we were testing a new tool in shop stats, for example, you might use the tool differently, impacting the results of the experiment. As a result, Etsy is not informing sellers of the change. It's impossible to confirm whether the change to hide descriptions in sellers' listings is a test or if it's the beginning of a site-wide rollout. So... A lot of gray area here. Again, I could not find an example of it in my admittedly very small sample size of 10 or 15 listings that I looked at. And they're not saying whether it's a test or a gradual rollout of a new way to do this. I don't know how I feel about it. Um, eBay kind of does something similar if you're on, especially if you're on the mobile. It only shows you part of the description. And if you want to read more, you got to click on the little button. So this is an opportunity for maybe them to save some screen real estate to do something else. It's hard to say what the motivation behind it would be, but it's also hard to say whether it's a test or whether it's a new thing. So let us know in the comments what you think about that if you're an Etsy seller. Continuing on with the folks at Etsy. This is a program we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. Their star seller program continues to have growing pains. They have a seller that says Etsy won't budge over a mistaken review. An Etsy seller was penalized for a buyer's mistake over a review, even after the buyer fixed the error. The seller told e-commerce bites that Etsy refused to display the new star seller badge on their listings, despite qualifying for the program following the buyer's correction. The buyer changed the review they left for the seller to five stars after the initial mistake. Quote, this review was within the period for the last issue of the star seller badge. August 31st, the seller said, Etsy has written us that even though the buyer changed the review and we should have qualified for the badge, they say we had 94.3% without the updated review for feedback, 100% for shipping and 100% for communication. They only award the badge monthly. So essentially what Etsy is saying is if during X month you fall under the threshold, you don't get the star, even if subsequently the review is changed and your score goes up. So next month, theoretically, this seller is going to qualify, assuming they don't have any problems during September, but 
this change, which it, I can't tell. It would appear to me that the change to the review actually took place after the end of the month. So with Etsy's program not running continuously every single day, only being evaluated once a month, if you fall below the threshold for one month, you're just going to eat it for the next month. And then if you rebound and are over their metrics, you'll get it the next month is how it looks to me. I, I don't know how much more difficult it would be for Etsy from a coding standpoint to update this in real time and adjust these on a daily basis. Uh, the writer of the article says it would be interesting to know what would happen in the reverse if buyers left five-star reviews for a seller and then downgraded them. Would Etsy continue to display the star seller badge for the seller in those instances? Assuming that they are actually sticking to this monthly review, my best guess would be that yes, for August, for instance, that seller would stay part of the star seller program. But if that change that occurred in September messed up their September numbers in October, they would not have the badge. So again, growing pains over on Etsy with their star seller program. It continues to be a really sore subject for a lot of sellers over there. I guess I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, the rollout of it has not really been super smooth. Um, for some better news from Etsy, they have added some messaging features ahead of the holiday shopping seat season. Etsy has added three features to messages. It's buyer-seller messaging system, stating that the features will save sellers time and help them resolve customer questions more quickly. See more order details right in your messages now. You can see more information about the customer's order, including the total shipping status and when you're responding to the message. So, Again, I don't sell over there, but apparently if you wanted to see any of that information, you had to click out of the message and go find the item and then come back to the message in order to actually see the thing. We're encouraging customers to add photos when they have an issue. So that'll be directly in the message. This is something that eBay has done. It allows you and the buyer to add, I believe, up to five photos in a message. Not sure what Etsy's number is, but if there's damage or something that they want to show, they'll be able to do that right in the message. And you can issue a refund without leaving messages. When a buyer reaches out for help with their order, we'll provide an issue refund button in the message to make it easier to address the customer's concerns all in one place. This, of course, all ties back into the Star Seller program where they're requiring response to a buyer's message within 24 hours to qualify and to just make kind of the whole customer service piece of things easier. I know most resellers are totally opposed to providing refunds really under any circumstances, but having that in the message section is probably a good thing for Etsy. So good on them for that. Last thing here with Etsy, they are already reminding sellers of holiday shipping cutoffs. Christmas is three months away, the article says, but Etsy is already reminding sellers about shipping cutoff dates. Quote, we know the holiday season can be stressful enough without worrying about shipping deadlines and extra fees. That's why we've put together this handy guide with information that will help you ship successfully so you can worry less about shipping and focus on delighting your customers. Etsy also would Offered some advice to sellers, add your holiday cutoff dates to your shop announcement and listing descriptions. This way shoppers will know what your deadlines are. You can use the bulk edit tool to add a brief message to all of your listings at once. 
That's actually pretty handy advice. Uh, the problem, of course, comes in the next part of this article, but cutoff dates from shipping carriers, are they realistic? In December, the article says 2021. I know they mean 2020. There was a delivery meltdown that led to many packages shipped prior to cutoff dates arriving after the holiday. Sellers should keep that in mind and use official cutoff dates with caution. I'm not sure. I don't I don't update my listings with this kind of information. If a customer asks in a message, I, of course, will respond to that message and let them know kind of what I think is going on. But given what happened last year, I would probably not promise arrival in time for the holidays. Anything that is ordered probably two weeks before Christmas. I don't know. You can let us know in the comments how you're going to handle that. My experience last year was that a lot of items, some items that were ordered actually during Black Friday weekend at the end of November that went out media mail still did not arrive until after Christmas. So the delays were horrendous, particularly for the lower tier kind of USPS ground shipping. So I personally would be a little hesitant to promise any specific dates. I would probably point them to a official cutoff date posting from USPS or whatever carrier and tell them this is the best information I have available, but there are no guarantees. I don't know if you've talked to anyone at your local post office, they'll they're they, at least at mine they've been very upfront and said, "Hey, you know what? The priority day mail this is typically a two to three day, but sometimes they're taking four to five days." So just be aware of that as we head into the holiday shipping season. Once we get into December, um, my best guess is that all bets will be off in terms of actually hitting delivery dates. Etsy told sellers will share information from the shipping carriers available for purchase on Etsy and update it as new information is released. So bookmark this article and keep coming back to it through December. There is a link in this article to the Etsy seller handbook where you can see kind of what their projections are for shipping dates. Moving on to USPS, they have made a change in their free priority mail packaging. So if you if you aren't aware, you can order from the United States Postal Service free shipping supplies for priority mail in particular, and they will ship them to you. But typically they have gone out ground parcel package. So they I've had stuff that literally took weeks to arrive. Uh, this article says, don't wait until you run low on USPS priority mail packaging. You'll be, now be able to replenish your supplies faster, but it will cost you. A new shipping service will allow customers to have their expedited packaging supplies delivered to them within two to three business days. Again, we'll see how that works out. <laughs> uh, for a shipping fee of $12.65 per priority mail container, they did not say, and this article does not know how large that container is. So I don't know, you know, if you order a thousand items, are you going to be able to pay one fee? And will they all come together in one shipment? So that that remains an open question. Uh, so if you're registered at USPS.com and ordering supplies, you will have now two options: the priority mail, which will arrive within two to three business days for twelve sixty-five, or the standard parcel select which is free and they say will arrive within five to seven business days i have never had a free bunch of usps supplies arrive 
in five to seven days. <laughs> uh, I don't know what your experience has been, but my experience has been it is it is always 10 days, two weeks or longer to get that stuff. So, hey, it's free. I'm not going to complain too much, uh, but five to seven days is hopelessly optimistic. <laughs> uh, speaking of shipping again, eBay has again announced uh, seller protections for shipping delays, this time due to Tropical Storm Nicholas, which is uh, um, affecting the southeast U.S. Again, those poor folks are really getting blasted this season due to severe weather conditions from Tropical Storm Nicholas. Parts of the U.S. southeast region may be experiencing shipping delays. Given the extreme weather, may delay pickup or delivery of your shipments. We are closely monitoring the situation and providing you with additional support and protections during this challenging time. So much like with um, Ida, they are allowing shipments to be late. They're protecting you against bad feedback and items not received cases. So be sure you check that link. Uh, It popped up this morning in the eBay seller hub feed. eBay. This is an interesting one. I don't know really anything about this guy or what he did, but the wording of this um, certainly catches your attention. eBay has lost a top executive in charge of International. On September 7th of this year, Jae-hoon Lee, Senior Vice President International of eBay, Inc., agreed to step down from his role effective immediately. That sounds like he was asked to step down, not that he voluntarily left the company for something else. So I don't, I couldn't find any more information out about this. This was actually part of a filing at the SEC that they did. There's a link in this article to that filing, but it doesn't give any indication why he stepped down, if he was asked to step down, but the wording of that would lead one to believe that he was asked for some reason to step down. He will continue in a supporting function to aid the transition until the end of the month. Lee joined eBay in 2002, it said, and pioneered online cross-border exports from China-based sellers to eBay's global consumer base, according to his bio on eBay. This has evolved into a significant channel for entrepreneurs and businesses across Asia. This guy was very well compensated for what he did in 2020. He received $6.7 million in total compensation, which was down from $8.5 million in 2019. According to eBay's proxy statement to the SEC, Lee was eligible for a $2.5 million payout for voluntary termination, 22.4 for a involuntary termination outside of a change of control, and nearly $30 million for involuntary termination in connection with a change in control. My best guess from reading this is that it's uh, door number one that he's going through the 2.5 million for a voluntary termination because the again the way that's worded would indicate that he was asked to step down again like I said I have not found any more information out about that it probably doesn't directly impact us but it's more palace intrigue over at eBay so now let's talk a little bit about what's ticking off eBay sellers so last week Probably within 20 minutes of me finishing the episode, eBay published their fall seller update. These seller updates are always, they're always fun times. (laughs) Uh, They always contain a lot of changes, a lot of updates, 
a lot of things that sellers are going to have to do to adjust for their business. This is no exception. We had this same thing last year we talked about, and the timing of this eBay's cadence is essentially a spring seller update and a fall seller update. For my money, and I know nobody at eBay is watching this or cares what I have to say about it, they should change that cadence to winter and summer so that they miss fourth quarter, so that we're doing this stuff in Q1 and Q3, not in Q4, because some of the stuff that we have to do and again, we're playing in their sandbox so that we, you know, we can complain and moan all we want. But these are things that if we want to continue to play in their sandbox, we've got to play by their rules. But when they make these changes going into what is the busiest six or eight weeks of the year, they make lives for their sellers very, very difficult. So that being said, the... The problem with this particular update, as this article, which we'll get into here in a minute, will show, is not so much as it was last year, the direct item specifics updates that are being required. There are some of those, but it appears to be a little bit more limited than last time. The problem this go-round is that eBay is making, again, another huge adjustment to categories where certain items fall in. And the net effect of the changes in those categories is that there are going to be a ton of required item specifics that you're going to have to add to those items so that they're now able to be found in those categories. So it's almost like a backdoor way to do new required item specifics without saying you have to do new required item specifics. It doesn't indicate in any way that your listing will not be visible, but it's going to be much harder to find if these things are not added back into those listings. And that has resellers really fired up. So uh, this article, again, over on e-commerce bytes, eBay released their fall seller update last week. At first blush, it seemed it wouldn't be too disruptive, but as always, the devil is in the details. Don Hyden, the auction professor on YouTube, pointed to a major disruption in certain areas of collectibles on his channel uh, over on YouTube using postcards as one example. eBay is eliminating almost all subcategories in postcards and will be requiring sellers to add item specifics if they want shoppers to be able to find their listings. So again, kind of a backdoor way. They're not saying we need you to update all these item specifics. They're changing how categories, how the hierarchy works within postcards. And in order for your items to be, this says found, I don't know if it's found or easily found, you're going to have to add back in item specifics that would have covered those subcategories. Again, it's a, it's not probably a big deal for a smaller seller who has dozens or a few hundred items, but for a, a large seller, like I went through with the spring update, I had 4,000 media items that needed item-specific updates. Don, as this article points out, has 4,300-plus postcards in just one of the stores he operates that are going to require updates. And this all goes into effect in October, leading into fourth quarter. That's a massive, massive job to be trying to do heading into what should be our busiest time of the year. So, again, 
I'm, I'm pretty sure nobody from eBay is listening, but if you are, think about at least changing the cadence on those updates to winter and summer so we miss fourth quarter. First quarter is an ideal time to be doing this because it's typically the slowest time of the year. And then again, third quarter, you're getting all of this stuff lined up so that when you go into fourth quarter, it's done and everything works smoothly and sellers can focus on what is really important in fourth quarter, which is the customer service, the shipping and the selling and the making the money. (laughs) Uh, There's a link here to Don uh, auction professor's video. You can watch the whole thing or um, you can go to the point about nine minutes in where he points out there is also no way to bulk edit these listings. He says each postcard is unique and will need to be edited individually. Uh, again, this article points out what I just pointed out a couple times. It's incredible that eBay is making this disruptive change on October 12th, giving sellers who are impacted by these various category changes, no time to update their listings ahead of the holiday shipping season. Don said, uh, last time he was impacted by such a change, he had to outlay cash to have someone help him slog through the edits. He mentions as I just did, he has 4,300 postcards in one store alone. So again, not certainly not ideal and uh, go check out Don's video on this. He'll have all the details. If you've not watched the auction professor before, he has a tremendous amount of knowledge. He is a really, really great resource. He, he can occasionally get into a little bit of uh, let's say the sky is falling (laughs) Uh, when eBay makes these changes. And usually a couple weeks later, once he's kind of dove into things, he calms down a little bit. So you can see, from the look on his face here, he's pretty stressed at the moment. <laughs> uh, continuing on, as far as eBay's new cost per click ads, and which was announced again in the fall seller update, they did make one uh, change to what they're going to call them. I, we may have talked about it last week. So trying again to differentiate the normal kind of promoted listing standard, which is the free one from the promoted listings advanced, which is this cost per click model. But a comment was posted uh, that a seller has us wondering how the if the new ad format is already doomed, the seller said, quote, I shall click the living hell out of my competitors every day. <laughs> uh, when you're paying per click, uh, this is something that has happened. They actually, I think, link to the Wikipedia entry for click fraud when people pay to get that top spot on Google there are a lot of people who just go in and just relentlessly click that ad so that that advertiser is being charged for those clicks, even though they have no intention of making a purchase. And that's what this seller says he's going to do to his competitors. That to me is probably a bridge too far. What? Why bother? <laughs> uh, your time is much more productively spent finding and creating new listings for items, but there you go. Um, but it is one of the downsides, one of the dangers to a cost per click model because you're paying for a click. You're not paying for a sale. You have no guarantee that that click is going to turn into a purchase. If you're trying to drive business and eyeballs to a website, maybe you can afford, maybe you need to afford that kind of marketing exposure. But for this kind of thing, I'm not sure it works. Lastly, uh, part of the fall seller update was a couple of updates to their eBay user agreement. Normally, when a company makes updates to a user agreement, they will 
have a link to a summary page where you can just kind of view what those changes and updates are. And then they'll have a little place at the bottom where you can click to accept the changes and get on with life. By default, if you continue to use the site after a said certain date where these things go into effect, you have acknowledged that you've accepted those terms anyway. In this particular case, at least as of this moment, eBay has not provided anything like that. They have provided a link. It's in the spring seller update or sorry, fall seller update that takes you directly to their entire massive user agreement. It doesn't link directly to the changes or the updates or to a summary page. So you got to kind of slog through the whole thing to find these updates, which is uh, ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, This article points out eBay has provided no way for sellers to easily compare the new with the old. Again, for most of us, it probably doesn't make any difference. We're, we've never read the user agreement anyway. <laughs> uh, and we probably wouldn't read this. I usually, if they do have like the kind of update comparison, I'll go look at it. But eBay is too big of a piece of my business. I'm not going to walk away from eBay because of some minor change in their user agreement. They have said in kind of some of their own messaging that these changes are just to add specific language to the user agreement of things that they've already announced and implemented. So there you go. You can do with that what you will. Amazon is also ticking off their sellers. Uh, actually, let's let's hold off on that. Let's talk about their CEO keynote speaker. So Andy Jassy. Uh, the new Amazon CEO is going to speak at their seller conference next month. The conference is free. It aims to help third-party sellers develop their business, enhance their brands, and partner with Amazon, according to the company. Uh, he, along with Amazon's worldwide consumer CEO, Dave Clark, will discuss Amazon's focus on empowering selling partners and connecting small businesses with more than 300 million shoppers. The conference will also feature new product and service announcements, and there will also be 30 sessions available to provide insights and strategies for current and aspiring entrepreneurs who want to take their Amazon partnerships to the next level. It is a free conference called Amazon Accelerate. It is October 20th and 21st, and you can learn more about it and register on aboutamazon.com. So there you go. Here is... What's got the Amazon sellers fired up? We talked about it a few weeks ago. Amazon has changed their liability insurance requirement. It used to be if you did $10,000 in three consecutive months, you require, were required to carry business liability insurance. They have changed that now to one month instead of three. They have also added a kind of a portal for businesses for individuals, whoever that have now reached this threshold and need to get insurance to find insurance. Resellers are not buying it. They're not happy. They think the whole thing is a scam. Uh, One seller says, do I see right? I'm going to get forced to get some kind of insurance or I'll get in trouble. Another said, it totally sounds like what the mafia did. They just called it protection money. The seller wrote, they forced mom and pop stores and businesses to pay that money so their buildings didn't, quote unquote, accidentally burn down. (laughs) Uh, uh, The article says that might be an overstatement of the scope of Amazon's policy shift. But as of September 1st, 
Amazon is requiring sellers to take out a product liability insurance policy once they reach $10,000 in sales in one month on Amazon. That is a pretty big threshold. Um, I'm I'm sure they have a ton of sellers who are doing it. This article mentions that a lot of those sellers have not, even if they've qualified under the old program, have not added insurance. Uh, The portal that they added was the Amazon Insurance Accelerator, and it aims to, they say, really simplify, and I would almost say demystify the insurance process. Wendy Wood, a managing director in Marsh's Affinity Practice, said in an interview. Marsh had been working with Amazon for a few months to set up the program ahead of last month's announcement. At the launch, Marsh had lined up product liability coverage through insurance providers Chubb, Harborway Insurance, underwritten by Spinnaker Insurance, Hiscox, Liberty Mutual Insurance, Markel, and Travelers, according to the company. The terms of those policies vary in detail, they said, but in broad strokes, each of them will provide sellers with comparable coverage. This is probably the important part of this bit of it. The policies were crafted to meet Amazon's criteria for a qualified insurance plan, which includes requirements for minimum liability limits and a measure of the financial stability of the insurer. Part of our goal in this is to make sure that the carriers available through the accelerator are financially sound, so you're not investing premiums into some fly-by-night insurance company that disappears in six months. Uh, The carriers needed to have a minimum financial rating. Amazon is permitting sellers to obtain insurance through a provider outside of the accelerator. So you can do that. You can go get your own insurance, but Wood acknowledges that in practice, it might be a challenge. She says it would, but that seems like a stretch. Be a challenge for the typical seller to ensure that the policy meets all of Amazon's criteria and to secure a competitive rate. It's super important that if they don't go through the accelerator, she said, they do their due diligence. The rates are a central part of the pitch for the accelerator. The policies, of course, do all vary, but the vast majority of sellers would has seen obtain insurance through the program are paying premiums of less than $1,000 a year, commonly in the neighborhood of five to $750, she said. So this insurance is not super cheap, but again, in order to continue to sell on Amazon, if you meet that threshold, you do need to have this business insurance. The article points out, of course, some sellers are grumbling that Amazon is imposing the insurance mandate at all, though many were either unaware that the requirement had already been in place for sellers above that $10,000 in three months threshold or had simply opted not to purchase insurance or had taken out a low quality plan with limited coverage that probably did not meet Amazon's thresholds. What we're finding out, she said, is that many of the sellers had not purchased insurance previously. They may not have had a full understanding of what their risk was as a small business owner. Sellers who opt not to purchase insurance but meet the $10,000 sales mark might find their days on the platform numbered. Wood directed questions about enforcement to Amazon but suggested that the company is serious about policing its marketplace to ensure higher volume sellers are adequately insured, quote, Amazon will work with the seller to enforce the coverage requirement. So Amazon is going to be watching for sellers who meet this threshold to make sure that you have the required policy. So there's really going to be no way around it. Probably if you want to sell there, uh, this portal, Amazon Accelerate, 
accelerator is probably the way to go. It looks like it's probably the quickest, easiest, and least expensive option. Uh, not that five or seven hundred fifty or a thousand dollars a year is cheap by any stretch, but it's again, it's something we've talked about on this channel, and I kind of mentioned it. I think in the in the description of this article, it's one of the costs of doing business, and like I said with the other sites earlier, it's their sandbox. And if you want to play in it, you have to play by their rules. They do provide some protection for smaller claims, but this is one of those things that you're just unfortunately going to have to participate in. Last but not least in the news, Mercari has added a buy now, pay later option for buyers. Typically, buyers think of this as being available on retail sites when shopping for commodity goods, but mobile selling app Mercari has partnered with a service called Zip, which was formerly known as QuadPay, so customers can finance their purchases of second-hand goods. And this is a pairing. I, I saw this start popping up last week on stuff that's actually pretty cheap, like $20 and $25 items. You have the option to make four... <laughs> Four or $5 payment. It's crazy to me that they're offering it on stuff that cheap. But uh, Macari shoppers will now have access to Zip's transparent and straightforward four payment installment option, providing the freedom and flexibility to stretch their funds further. Macari customers who sell on the platform will still receive full payment for their goods, regardless of whether a shopper pays an installment. So as a seller, if a buyer opts to do this four payment plan, you're not going to get four small payments over time. You're still going to get your payment once the item is delivered and you have been rated and you rate the buyer. That part does not change as a seller. So you're still still going to get paid. So really as a seller, this is all good in my opinion. They did post some interesting stats, which frankly surprised me a little bit in July. The average transaction cost per order was over $260 on Mercari Authenticate. And in July, the average transaction cost per order was almost $100 on Mercari Local. So some big ticket stuff happening over there on Mercari, which is really kind of surprising. I don't, I can't ever find anything. <laughs> uh, I just did a bunch of listings over on Mercari over the last week and qualified for their whatever it is. $20 coupon off of a $50 purchase. And I literally cannot find anything to buy. <laughs> uh, so maybe it's just me, but I, and even my, my sales there, you know, 10% of what I do on eBay, but it's free money. So speaking of selling stuff, Let's get into this what's sold on, mostly on eBay. I think I've got one Mercari thing for us this week. This first thing, not a big sale. Uh, $13.99 plus shipping for a CD from 1996 by a band called Kid Charlemagne. So this was a local band to Athens, Ohio, which is the home of Ohio University, which my daughter graduated from several years ago. And a lot of times... I've got boxes of local band CDs out in my garage that are essentially worthless, but I still will list one because you may run in. I've talked about this before. You may run into a situation where you have a fan of that band from their college days who randomly thinks of it and goes on eBay to look for it. You may have, as has happened to me, an artist 
who recorded a CD who for some reason has no copies of it left in good working order that wants to buy one. So even though they're not necessarily big hitters, they're, they're worth putting up there. Sometimes they're 10, 12 bucks. This was $13.99 plus shipping. I own this thing for about three and a half cents. It was part of a big lot. So assuming you have the ability to list a lot of items, it's probably worth doing. Another CD, this from a much, much bigger band, <laughs> uh, Genesis Live, The Way We Walk, Volume 2. This was a limited edition promo CD. It was also in that big lot, so this is another 3.7 cent CD. This went for $19.99 with free shipping. Again, we've talked about on this show before, not all, but many promotional-only CDs have more value than their standard counterpart. There will be something different about them. Obviously, you can see from this one that the art is different than what the traditional album art would have been. It says promo only on it. Sometimes they contain bonus songs or versions of songs not available on the regular album. They're also typically in much, much smaller quantities. In some cases, hundreds or thousands instead of tens of thousands or millions. So, they can occasionally have some additional value, so don't necessarily pass up promotional CDs. I don't know that I would pay up for them, um, but if you if you get them in part of a lot, they can be worth pretty good money. This was an interesting book. I picked this up at a church rummage sale for 50 cents. The church was in kind of the Dayton, Ohio area. This is from Huffman Prairie to the Moon, the History of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which is, of course, in Dayton. Uh, this went for $21.24 with free shipping on a best offer. Again, random kind of local area book, but not a lot of them listed on eBay. It looked like it had some value. I sat on this for the better part of a year, but for what I've got in it, that's a pretty nice little flip. Another book. This was part of a 2,500 book lot that I own for about a quarter a piece, Lloyd's of London by Godfrey Hodgson from 1984. This is a hardcover with dust jacket. Again, we've talked about previously on this show, books with dust jackets, even if the jacket is not in particularly good shape, generally bring a bit of a premium. This was actually in really, really good shape. It's not that old. You would expect it's probably still pretty decent. This went for $21.99 with free shipping on a cost of a quarter. That's not bad. Bicycle magazines, catalogs. I talked about that big buy I did at an estate sale late spring where I picked these things up for what I think worked out to like, I don't know, 12 or 14 cents a piece. I'm down to maybe the last 20 or so of these. This one was from 1980. Raleigh Bicycle Parts and Accessories Catalog. $23.99, again, with free shipping. So, again, random old catalogs, not like with anything else. Not all of them, but some of them can bring really good value. This was a particularly good set. The average selling price for me on these bike catalogs, which have mostly been Schwinn, uh, has probably been $17 or $18. And like I said, I own them for 12 or $0.14 cents a piece. I bought the whole box for 10 bucks. So, <laughs> uh, buying in bulk even if you end up with some duds, is definitely a profitable opportunity. Here's an interesting book from 1943. This one sold on Mercari, A Sketch of Medicine and Pharmacy. This was a third printing, kind of a hard leather hardback cover with a nice 
kind of gold embossed plate on the front and the title on the spine. Really, really nice looking book. This was also out of that 2,500 book lot. So my cost of goods sold was 25 cents. This went for 26 bucks with free shipping. And you can see, if you can see on the listing, it actually says down here or four payments of $6.50 by zip. So that's, that's pretty cool of uh, Mercari to be doing that on items that inexpensive. I don't know how many people will take advantage of it, but the fact that it's there as an option is uh, really, really cool. Next up, here's an interesting one. And again, uh, there's more story <laughs> to this. I've talked about these before, the model railroading magazines. I had a couple of lots of these. They're getting a little long in the tooth. They've been out there for a long time. So I'm running that as part of my 30% off sale. And I had someone that they showed up in my eligible for send offers thing. And I thought, you know what? They're already 30% off, but why don't I throw this out with another 15% off or 10% off offer and see if I can get this person to stop watching them and actually commit to buying them. And they did. So I have 24 issues of Railroad Model Craftsman magazine from the early 1970s. I own each year for about 96 cents. They ultimately sold for a total of about $39 plus shipping. But I got the message from the customer along with this purchase that says, thanks for offering these magazines also for the discount. It really helps. I couldn't take advantage of your additional offer, but I appreciate it too. Best wishes for continued eBay success. Regards, John B. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see down at the bottom, it says... Uh, $8.42 refunded. So I, I talked again the last several episodes about my kind of views on customer service. This guy bought these things and you could just totally have let this go. I chose to reach out to him and say, hey, I appreciate the order, number one. Number two, I don't know why you couldn't take advantage of the additional discount. So here is a refund for $8.42, which amounts to the discount that you would have gotten had you been able to accept that offer and a combined shipping discount because it saved me a little bit of money to ship these all in one box. So was that absolutely necessary to do? Probably not. Have I got a customer who's going to watch my store for additional train model train magazines in the future? I would have to think absolutely because Again, a case of going kind of above and beyond. I made plenty of money. I own these things, like I said, for 96 cents a year, the $8 refund. I had offered it in good faith. He tried to accept it in good faith. And for some reason, eBay didn't work and he couldn't take advantage of it. So I chose to give it to him anyway. Let me know in the comments or in the chat uh, what you would have done in that case. Would you have done something like that or not? I, I just felt like it was the right thing to do. And I think this is, eh, there might be one more here. Another Schwinn catalog. This one from 1971. Specifications for Paramount models. That was their kind of high-end bike at the time. Uh, sports Tour and Super Sports. Again, this is part of that big lot that I own for 12 or 14 cents, something like that. It went for $39.99 with free shipping. I still have one left. So if you're in the market for an old Schwinn catalog, uh, hit me up. That's a <laughs> That's a really cool piece from the 1970s. And here's the last one. This is your flip of the week. Um, I had a customer that reached out about 
multiple years worth of, again, these model train magazines. He's like, can you sweeten the deal anymore if I buy three sets of them? I went, pulled them out, created one custom listing, offered him an additional 10% off on each of the years, put it together in a bundle with a obviously combined shipping discount. And three years worth at 96 cents a year went for a total of $52.89 plus shipping. So uh, fairly nice week. It was reasonably busy, not great, but reasonably busy, but a lot of interesting stuff. Again, no humongous hitters there among the group, but all in all, a pretty good week. Hopefully you got some value out of some of that. And again, like I've said numerous times on this show, I show these things not necessarily to give you specific things that you should be looking at, but maybe categories of items that you're not paying attention to that might be helpful. I see all the time on other people's social media and whatnot, you know, I don't, I don't do DVDs, I don't do CDs, I don't do books, they're a waste of time, they're blah, blah, blah. And I just, I want to be the counterpoint to that and show you that, yes, in fact, you can sell these things and make a little bit of money. Before we close it out, I want to go over into the chat and see who's here. Uh, Jim Lucas, I hope you are listening. He sent a message before I even got started. Unfortunately, I have to watch and listen on my phone on my way to a book sale. So hopefully... He uh, found some good books over there. Aaron Rebel Junk joined us. Uh, TRB Collectibles, over the last couple weeks, your updates on the Star Seller Badge get better and better. (laughs) Uh, Why does Etsy try so hard to hide their Star Sellers? Being a Star Seller is supposed to be a good thing. Absolutely. I don't understand. We talked about it last week where you're not allowed to share it on your own website or your own social media accounts, and that just seems completely counterproductive to me. I, I would think... They would want those people shouting from the rooftops because it's just free promotion for Etsy at large. So I don't get it. Uh, Aaron Rebel Junk says eBay is currently sharing priority mail as three to seven days shipping time. So yeah, there you go. They have, again, they're trying to accommodate what the real world situation is. We talked about a couple of weeks ago, they actually have an algorithm out, um, contest out there where they've asked college students to try to develop a program that will more accurately predict shipping times based on real-world data, what's what's actually happening versus what the carriers say should be happening. So that's really interesting. Uh, TRB Collectibles just ordered boxes and noticed that they were offering priority mail as a shipping option based on last year's delays with ordering shipping supplies. Smart move for USPS. Absolutely. And why not? They claim they're losing money hand over fist. They're already providing us with a great value, giving us these items, the shipping materials at no charge. Why not make a a potentially a little bit of money on a shipping option? I would be curious to know how much stuff you can get uh, that would qualify for that $12 and 60 odd cents thing, whatever. So (laughs) Uh, he also says one day, I wish to see how you store your inventory. I would think it would be really neat. It is in fact, not really neat. It is a mess. (laughs) Uh, it doesn't look like it's very organized, but every box has a label on it. I think I did kind of a quick overview of that, man, really, really long time ago, but I didn't show any pictures because like I said, it looks like a tornado went through there. If I hired someone to come help me, I'm not sure it's organized enough for them to be super efficient at it until they kind of figured out what I was doing. But 
it works really well for me and knock wood in the last year I've had one item that I could not find. I had a DVD that was not in the right box. I assume it is here somewhere and I just have not been able to turn it up. But considering that I do 350 to 400 transactions a month, losing one of them is not um, a bad bad thing. Elaine HGD, I'm having the same problem with my Mercari coupon. Yeah, I just, (laughs) uh, I'm I'm on there every day trying to find something and uh, trying to spend my money. And here's just a total aside, has nothing to do really with reselling, but I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I was trying to make a $600 purchase and I couldn't get the guy to respond. So over the weekend, I found another seller that had the same item. It's a Schwinn IC4 kind of exercise spin bike that you can use with Zwift and all the different services. They wanted $700 for it, but theirs was new and was said it was new, but it didn't say whether it was in a box. There were all they had were kind of stock photos of the thing. So I sent a message and unlike the other person, it wasn't five minutes and I got a response to my question. I asked a follow-up question and I got two responses to that unsolicited. They sent me pictures actually of the box so I went, I went ahead and bought the thing. I paid $100 more than I would have given the other guy for his a week ago, and I bought this bike. Yay me. I'm really excited. It's great. I've, I've been on it a couple times already. I love it. On Monday, eBay announced a 5% eBay Bucks program. So <laughs> uh, there's $35 I didn't get if I could have just waited a couple of days. So uh, as they say, with most things in life, timing is everything. So speaking of timing, that seems like a great place to wrap up this week's episode. Again, I hope you got something. I hope you're getting something out of these. That's why I continue to do them. Uh, We will be back next Wednesday at the same time, 10 a.m. Eastern for a live show. If you're listening to this on the podcast, you can always reach out to me at galaxycds at gmail.com and feel free to comment. If you're watching the replay, feel free to comment. Do me a favor, as always. And uh, where is it here? Whack that thumbs up button. If you are not currently a subscriber, please consider subscribing to the channel. I would greatly appreciate that. If you are watching live, sorry for all the double and triple overlays there. (laughs) I'm still kind of working my way through this whole live thing. Anyway, that's a good place to end. I hope you're having a great week. I hope you have a great week and we will see you again next time. And now it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.